Now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Practicing Accountant and Financial Advisor. And Stephen, today we're going to take a look at superannuation with our special guest Ian Moranti. Yes, we're going to take a look at superannuation and small business and how it impacts on small business proprietors, basically. That's incredibly important too. Yes, yes. And Stephen Pritchard, time to take a look at what's happening commodity-wise. How's gold travelling? Gold was all right this week. It was up uh, 1.1% to $1,683.94 an ounce. So it's better than the share market this week. And the nickel price was down um, $371 a tonne to uh, $15,230. And the crude oil price was down $3.69 a barrel to $85.86 Australian. So the crude oil price has fallen almost $20 a barrel in the last four weeks. And summer's coming up, holiday season. Is that how we're going to see well, that we at the Well, we weren't talking about the Bowser price. Right, OK. No, we're talking about the Bowser. We'll and so the currency is, well, the summer and the holiday season's coming up and... and um, and you, you're getting uh, less and less for your dollar. So against the US dollar, you're getting a 72.63 cents for your A dollar. Uh, against the Great British Pound, you'll get 56.85 pence. And against the Euro, you'll get 63.81 Euro cents. So going overseas, it's all become a bit more expensive. Mm, I suppose that's... But do many people go overseas at this time of year? Because it's all cold over there now. Well, some people like the cold yeah. weather. It helps for skiing. Helps for skiing, fair enough. Yes. Okay. How about um, stocks and things? And uh, the equities markets. pretty much red ink all around the world. Uh, Australia was down 103 points compared to last week of, to 5,722. Um, the S&P 500 was down 80 points to 2,649. UK FTSE index was surprising, up 12.2, so a bit of black ink for people investing in the UK, uh, 7,050. And the Nikkei index was down 296 points to 21,507. So some of the favourite local stocks, um, you know, mainly mainly red ink here again. Um, BHP was down uh, 44 cents to $31.60. CBA was up, which surprised me after the further revelations from the Royal Commission. That was up. Um, it was up uh, $1.20, so it was back over $70 at the close yesterday, $70.06, which is surprising. Uh, NIB was down another $0.18 cents to $5.06, and, and Telstra was down $0.04 cents to $3. So we, we're creeping back below that $3 oh, mark. Oh, you reckon it's Telstra. on a downward spiral, eh? Uh, <laughs> it's more likely to go down than up. Um, and then uh, the, the, oil, uh, the fuel price, uh, down $0.5.8 cents a litre in Newcastle, so $1.45.2. Uh, seven and a half cents down in Sydney to a dollar thirty-one point eight. So, but it's as going you the said, right way for us. <laughs> yeah, as you said, there's what four weeks to Christmas. Oh, are there four uh, weeks? Yes. Okay. Four weeks. Yes. And a day or two. Four weeks and a day or two. <laughs> yeah. Four weeks and three days. So that's uh, thirty-one days. Um, and the diesel price was $1.62.6, which is down 1.3 cents a litre, and the Sydney was $1.59.8, which is also down 1.6 cents a litre. So a bit like the fuel price will keep going down for the holidays. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do we sound convinced? <laughs> no, well, you're the one who, who's come up with this theory that it goes up over the holidays. I see. That's my theory, is it? <laughs> okay. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good. I hear it's a bit wet and woolly down there. It's been weird, I have to say, this morning. There's oh. the red, the, the 
dust cloud hitting Sydney, but up here on the uh, on the on in God's country on the beaches, it's um it's relatively sunny, a little bit of haze, but we've had these torrential downpours that last a couple of minutes and then they disappear again. So. Oh well, you won't have to water the garden today. No, no, definitely not. So, so there's been a bit more fun and games down at the Royal Commission yesterday and the day oh, before and probably today. Um, yeah, well, I think it's a bit, um, it's a bit less uh, obvious today. We had the, the, the magnificent Rowena Orr um, heading up the uh, inquiry in the last couple of days uh, with CBA in the dock, Catherine Livingston and, uh, and Matt Common, um, which was um, once again very revealing. Uh, and not to the positive side for CBA. Uh, she starts with those wonderful words, let me show you a document, and then you know that there's a bank executive just about to be skewered. Um, and uh, she did a magnificent job, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty uncomfortable for, for CBA, but I guess you know, those, those chief executives and chairwoman will continue to draw a massive salary and brush it off and, and move on. But um, Brian Hartz have finished up today in the, uh, in the dock, and uh, was uh, his usual combative self. And at the moment, there's Nicholas Moore, who is eight days away from retirement, spending the twilight of his career at Macquarie, uh, fronting the Royal Commission, which is a little, a little ironic, I guess, in some respects. So, anyway. Oh, I thought the interesting thing that came out of it with CBA was the ex-chairman was asked to repay 400000 of directors' fees, and he, he, he kind of refused. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that the, both Matt Common and Catherine Livingston were really happy to throw their predecessors under the bus um, in the Reverend David Turner. Um, and yet, at the, at, the, at the time of all the misdemeanours, Matt Common was in charge of the, the division that uh, had the most issues, and Catherine Livingston was on the board as well and seemed to turn the blind eye and being paid an awful lot of money um, and didn't really seem to be, know what's going on. If you're being paid you know, half a million bucks or whatever it is to... To be on the board, then you would kind of want to um, be on top of things, wouldn't you? You would expect so, but obviously, no, uh, ob obviously, it's the same as your you and I have spoke to about the past. The hardest thing to get there, one of these jobs, is to get there. And once you're there, as long as you don't do too much wrong, you, you get paid. But the trouble is, these people have been doing too much wrong. Well, it didn't seem that doing too much wrong was the problem. Getting caught out well, was, sorry, getting was the the problem having it splashed over the newspapers but i still i still struggle to see how anybody who's running a bank can have a bonus when the bank is clearly not performing very well on a number of metrics um and and yeah, bonuses of things are, it's a bonus it's it's above and beyond your normal salary yeah. for doing stuff that is above and beyond what you're expected to do not just a, a part of your, your your remuneration that just automatically gets added on yeah uh, particularly 108 percent well, especially, you know, you've done such a good job with the Austrack thing and the money laundering and the uh, and the other aspects and the common shore that we're going to give you 108% because you've done such a great job. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat farcical, but um, anyway, I could, I could go on, Steve. Yeah, anyhow, we, we've got some other things to go on. And Coles, Coles listed on the ASX yesterday? Coles did, yeah. Yes. It was... Uh, it was an interesting uh, listing. Um, so they got divorced yep. uh, from, from West Farmers, and uh, Coles haven't been listed for some time as a separate entity. They came on. The, the, the price range uh, was ranging from, I think, the bottom of the range was about 11 bucks worth from Morgan Stanley uh, to about 14 15 bucks was the top of the range. They opened at 12 uh, sort of 12.40, 12.50. They got up to the low 13s, and they're back down to 12.50, 14.50. 
farming. I, I think it's, you know, it's going to take a little while for it to settle down. The interesting one is that the parent, who uh, still owns 15% of coals in West Farmers, has, uh, has been downgraded today by one broker, and they're down 3% to $31. So I guess if you add 31 and $12.54, you get 43.54 or something, and uh, mm-hmm. um, that, that's, that's somewhat down on where they had been. Um, not huge amounts, I must admit, but uh, mm-hmm. they're about 44 bucks before they um, before the yep. split. And there's been a takeover for Reject Group from a surprising quarter. There has. Uh, the Reject Shop has uh, received a bid from uh, a man called, I think it's Jaminda. Jaminda, uh, yeah. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a low-ball bid. Uh, the Reject Shop's been struggling for some time. Um, you know, these are the guys that are basically the, the, the $2 shop mm-hmm. um, people, and it has been struggling on and off. They, they seem to have got uh, some of their merchandising wrong um, at times, and um, that has really hurt them. And they cut back on marketing, which really hurt them. So they got a $2.70 bid uh, mm-hmm. from this group. Uh, the stock is currently trading a little bit higher than that, $2.77. It is a cash offer. Um, and um, obviously the market thinks that, yes, it may go through, because there wouldn't be too many regulatory issues with it, but they may have to sweeten it uh, slightly to uh, to get the bid through. Now, this stock was trading at 5 bucks mm-hmm. in September, so it is kind of opportunistic, but they haven't haven't covered themselves in glory as far as sales and uh, outlook goes, so very opportunistic, but now the, uh, the management have to defend... Uh, their plan going forward. Does this remind you of another big retailer? Yes, yes. Well, the other thing is that, uh, you know, I'm surprised that, uh, you know, if I was a shareholder in Pack Group, I wouldn't be too pleased that Jermaine was bidding for this when Pack Group's not going that well. You should be concentrating on that, I would have thought. Yeah, she's, um, I think the line from Twin Peaks comes to mind. She's yes. dead, she's wrapped in plastic. Um, and I wish they, w- they were wrapped in plastic because that stock's fallen in a heap from $5.30, yeah. Yeah. $3.30. And it has tried to bounce in the last few days, but really um, it has been struggling. Higher input costs have been to blame for this one. Um, maybe that will ease off a little bit with the, uh, the price of oil. Uh, coming mm-hmm. back because I'd imagine plastic, uh, one of those big input costs would be the uh, the oil that goes into making plastic. Um, I'm not an expert on plastics, but um, so that may be some relief. But yes, yeah, certainly the stock has been under a lot of pressure, and he's he's dropped a lot of money himself uh, mm-hmm. as the biggest shareholder of Pact. So um, interesting, he's got enough spare cash lying around to make a, a bid for the reject shop. I'm not sure where the two fit into the. Mm. Well, Rejack's full of a lot of plastic. The shop's full of plastic. It is full of plastic. You can smell it when you walk past. You're right, Stephen. It is a lot of of plastic junk. Yeah, so... We can all do without, probably. Yeah, so... Yeah. Alan Gray, which is a large fund manager, is very unhappy with ASX over the... uh, the AMP live. I'm just wondering if someone's going to start to call a meeting of AMP. Well, you would think that's the way this is going to play out. Um, you know, that, that sale of that, that business that they did um, is so significant that you really would think that shareholders would have to uh, um, have a say in whether it goes ahead, because it is kind of, that was the that was to some extent the sexy bit of AMP. Um, yeah. you know, if, if there is such a thing in, in AMP, well, we won't get started on that one, but that was that was certainly one of the sort of the growth parts of AMP, so flogging that off, and it's a very, very complicated deal. 
um, you would think that it would be in everybody's best interest, especially if they haven't even got a CEO mm-hmm. for real yet, um, that um, the, the ASX would make them put that to a shareholder vote. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Alan Gray, not, not happy, Jan. So we'll, we'll just come back in a minute and talk about the Australian Agricultural Stock uh, yep. Company and your favourite retailer, the retailer who sells stuff that people don't want to buy. There's that. There's so many. Yes. Okay. Talk about small business owners and superannuation, but right at the moment we're in the middle of our market update. Stephen Pritchard with Henry Jennings. And the Australian Agricultural Company recorded another loss of $68.4 million. Mm. Not surprising. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, this one, I was going to say it's been a dog, but um, it's, it's been more of a cow than a yeah. dog. Um, it's, um, it, uh, yeah, it logged a $68 million loss. Um, another big loss. It, uh, it pushed down the value of its cattle herd. And, uh, of course, it's had increased operating costs because of the drought. Mm. Well, so it's really, and, you know, meat sales declined as well. Um, so it's, it's not really been a good time. And it's, it's, I guess it's a tough time out there for uh, agricultural stocks. They've got a lot of problems in terms of climate change. They've got a lot of problems in terms of access to markets as well. Um, you know, the Chinese haven't been playing exactly nice with the children in the playground at times. Um, Surprising. Yeah, surprising, although they've they're, they're been making some, some noises today that things might get better for some of our um, e-commerce platform companies like the, the Bellamy's and the those like sorts that. of things into China, which has helped those. But, yeah, it, it, AAC has really just been up in a hard, too hard basket for too long. They, they tried to you know, move themselves up the value chain, and it really hasn't worked particularly well. They had a massive abattoir in uh, um, the Livingston Beef Plant near Darwin, and it just, yeah, it's just not been much fun, I think, for, for shareholders there, and it's probably not going to be much... You know, there's nothing really to get excited about there either, I think, just yet. Yes, and a bit of fun down at uh, the the retailer who... Uh, we don't know what it retails. Um, anyhow, so they got suspended last week because their, their, their quarterly sales figures leaked out somehow or other. And, mm. they, and then, um, because they kind of denied that they were the real ones, but when they announced the real ones, there wasn't much difference. And, and right. now the board meetings, the shareholders are coming up and Solomon Liu's saying, well, you know, they, and I think he's right. I think the company is on the edge. Well, I think it is on the edge. Um, I think that's that. You know, that's that's the problem. Um, that it is on the edge. Um, they've got a lot of very, yeah, a lot of very high-profile sites. They've got a lot of expensive sites as well. The um, the AGM's on the 30th of November, and to be honest, you know, Gary Hounsell has really not sort of covered himself in glory in this one at all. And clearly, you know, they they need. I don't know what they need. Um, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? The whole, the, you know, the world is changing. The um, the whole supermarket thing is changing. And I guess in, a, in another blow to retailers, because we've seen some retailers come out with some, um, actually some some of them have been okay. Maybe Bunting's had a pretty good update. And we've seen Noni B today, which caters for the um, for my age ladies um, and and you know, our sort of aged ladies. Um, Stephen, now they've done very very well. The twenty year olds. The tw- exactly, the 20-year-olds, the youngsters, they've done very well. Um, but, um, you know, Maya, really? Yeah, it just, it's, I, I, I struggle to get my head around it. It's not going to end well, I don't think. Um, and we've also seen today that Amazon, which um, had stopped um, Aussie uh, customers accessing the US site, has 
now reneged on that and gone back and said, hey, you know what, you can use the US site as well. Uh, okay. uh, that, that's going to make it just that little bit harder, I guess, for the um, for the Harvey Normans and the uh, the Kogans of this world uh, to compete. Um, so, but yeah, Myers, thirtieth uh, of November is going to be a big oh, showdown. I don't understand why they just don't let a couple of couple of premier investment directors on the board. It's not as though he wants the whole board. No, and you would think, you know, premier investments has done a relatively good job in a tough market. They, they've done very well in developing the Smiggle brand. They've done very well in developing the Peter Alexander brand. Um, so they have they have had some wins, let's face it. And you would think they would know a little bit about what they're doing. And with the shareholding they've got, you would think that they should have a say on how it's going. Yeah. Anyhow, we'll see what happens next week. And a nine Fairfax merger got approved by the investors? It did. I compared it to two drowning men clutching at a life raft that's probably got a hole in it as well. Um, but um, the, the stocks, the, well, the pair of them have uh, recovered slightly. They did go on a, an absolute, uh, well, they got absolutely smashed um, in, uh, in the last month or so, and they have started to recover a little bit. So I guess it's all going to be about synergies. It's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. There was a potential spoiler in the mix with Anthony uh, the Cat Catalano, who was the, uh, the past uh, boss of uh, the Domain Group, um, was, was said that he was going to scupper the, the, the deal and was going to, was going to bid for, um, for Fairfax all by himself. Well, yep, the board said, don't be stupid, go away. Um, and the deal was been done. There's still, I guess, there's still a small window that something could happen, but it, this is a, a done deal. I, I guess it just concentrates the media more in this country. I know that we're supposed to all uh, think that um, the media is less concentrated now because we can get it from anywhere and it's free, but um, trusted sources, shall we say, as opposed to uh, fake news, are, um, are rare. So um, they're, not, they're not getting any bigger in terms of trusted sources. There's lots more rubbish out there and fake yep. news. Yep. Or, as the, or as the Finns in the US now call it, rake news. Rake news. I think it's brilliant. After Donald Trump uh, suggested that was the answer to the wildfires, was just doing more raking. Uh, so the Finns are out there promoting their raking. Okay, Henry. We'll be back next week to find out what happened with uh, Sully Lou's raking, and I'm sure you'll yeah. have an interesting update on it. Mud raking. Muck raking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Henry Bye, Henry. We'll talk to you again next week on Thursday Finance. It's time to take a look at superannuation, Stephen Pritchard. And Ian Moranti from Nationwide Superannuation joins us, as he often does. Uh, about once every couple of months. So Ian's back, um, the last time before Christmas. And uh, we're going to talk about um, small business owners and superannuation. Now, one of, the things, one of the things someone once told me a long time ago was that if everything else goes wrong, you at least got your superannuation. And that's one of the reasons our firm's dead set against people gearing up their borrowing money in their superannuation fund. We, you know, basically, we think you need to end it um, because it makes no sense. The superannuation should be the asset that's considered aside by itself and be protected, particularly in business, because there's a number of protections around super um, that don't apply to any other asset. So Ian's going to talk a bit about that today. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. I think Stephen's uh, covered it very nicely. Thank you. <laughs> Not as in detail as you. Uh, uh, but the... 
I suppose what we're trying to um, get small business owners to think about is having a, a plan B rather than just a plan A. And as you've mentioned, Stephen, that uh, people can think that their business is going to be their retirement fund uh, and if everything goes well and you have uh, luck and a number of other factors on your side that uh, it might work out to be good for you. But it's always good to have a plan B and even being aware of a plan B it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to uh, put all those things into place but if you're not aware of the advantages then you don't even have the opportunity of, to consider them. Because typically if someone is going to be relying purely on their business, uh, the, the outcome might be uh, going to be bad, but it's too late for them to make any changes. And it's something that if you are effectively a year or a couple of years away from retirement and you realise that uh, things are starting to go bad, you don't have that time on your side to uh, put changes in place. Uh, also, with a, a business, typically someone, the largest two assets that they have, their home and their business, will be carrying a high level of debt. And, of course, there's risks associated with that. And also, the uh, business depends on a lot on your health and your ability to work hard. So those are the factors that you need to uh, improve or maintain the value of your business. But also in business there may be some factors outside of your control such as market trends, uh, changes in social expectations, competitors using new technology innovation. So uh, there's a lot at stake and a lot of uh, factors uh, involved in, in uh, your business. So am I right in thinking that as a small business owner you're not required to open superannuation accounts for yourself? Correct, yes. So you do have to for your employees? Yes. Uh, one, one strategy that uh, a small business um, owner can do is set themselves up as an, em an employee of the business and then pay superannuation and salary to themselves. Now that um, relatively simple strategy opens up then a wide range of uh, options for them and uh, we can call that loosely the plan B. So by being in a superannuation fund it means then that you're investing in uh, a number of different investment options available to you across multiple asset classes so it gives you diversification rather than just being uh, investing in your home uh, and in your uh, business. And uh, the assets in the super fund typically aren't uh, debt-exposed businesses. So uh, you've got that diversity there from the, the debt in the business and home compared to no debt in the superannuation. But also importantly, the superannuation can give you access to uh, insurance cover at very competitive group premium rates. Having that insurance cover, whether it's death or TPD or income protection, uh, can be very useful for you. Uh, also, uh, Stephen mentioned or alluded to that uh, the assets in the super are protected from the failure or, business or bankruptcy as well. So uh, there's another diversification aspect there. Uh, and with the starting the superannuation scheme, it means that you can start at a very low level of commitment. You don't have to have a massive amount of capital to start out with. You can start out with small amounts and the fees applicable to that are relevant to the amount of money that you've got invested in it. 
Yeah, I mean, just on that small business issue, I mean, a, a typical example of, um, you know, changing markets is, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, news agents were seen mm. as, a, as a very good, stable business. Mm. But now, I mean, there's news agents closing all over the place um, because you know, the sale of newspapers has dropped, the sale of magazines mm. have dropped. And, you know, it's just a change that's occurred. And even the best operator in that type of business, if the market moves or that tech, for whatever reason, people don't buy that product anymore. And Stephen Pritchard, we're picking the brain of Ian Moranti. <laughs> and Sam's back, the super expert. So what... Why, what, what else do we in a small business need to look at for super? Uh, just a couple of other points in regard to the Plan B, Stephen, that uh, being in a superannuation fund, you've got someone else managing that investment for you. So it means that you can uh, don't need to take time away from your uh, core activity of looking after your own business. So you've got someone else doing that uh, that monitoring, investing and, and reporting and recording that for you. So uh, it takes a bit of the pressure off there from a, a time point of view. And also uh, with the membership of a fund, you can pay additional contributions that you can stop or start at any time so they can match your personal circumstances and any changes in your life events. So there's a lot of flexibility there. It's something that um, can change with your, your needs. Yeah, the most important thing I think for small businesses is you need to build up an asset outside of the small business. And, and in a superannuation fund, it's a protected environment. So, yeah. so I think you need to look at, look at seriously looking at that. And you can have $1.6 million there. Yes, yeah, well, not, not a bad sum. <laughs> not a bad sum. And then the other thing is an amnesty period for those small businesses who haven't paid their superannuation for their employees in the past. So mm. how does that all work? Yeah, so uh, it, the, over time, particularly the last few years, the government has noticed that there's been a lot of um, contributions not being paid by employers into their employees' super. And so the to encourage employers to try and catch up with that the government's introduced a amnesty period which commenced on the 24th of may this year uh, runs for 12 months and it's for employers who have unpaid super guarantee for their employees it's a chance to give them uh, to catch up and clear those unpaid contributions without having to pay the usual penalty now they still must pay the interest charge on late contributions but they don't have to pay the penalty uh, during this 12-month period, which we're sort of getting halfway through. And just to be clear on this, this superannuation that's, um, that hasn't been paid that should have, it actually has to be paid to the ATO and not to the, not yeah. to the fund itself. Yeah. So if you pay it to the fund itself, you, I don't think that it actually counts <laughs> as catching yeah. up on SG. Um, I think that liability stays there. Okay. It just gets treated as additional contribution. Okay. So there's a special form, of course. There's a special form you have to fill in and submit that to the ATO with the with the superannuation arrears, and you pay the money to the uh, the ATO, and at some stage. The processes of bureaucracy will then turn around and pay that money across to the fund. And yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And the single touch payroll systems coming in for less than 19, less than 20 employees, yeah. that rolls around on the 1st of July, July 2019. Yeah. And so we're on greater than 20 employees, but there is still some amnesty or, or deferment on that on some software vendors yeah. whose systems don't 
work. Quite work it. Yes, and yeah. that's some of the major ones. Yes. Uh, um, that's a, an issue that um, I think uh, some of the payroll providers or software providers have had. Um, but from the employer's or the business owner's point of view, they need to be aware of what their obligations are and do the best that they can to meet those obligations. And quite frankly, the ATA should be funding all of that cost because it's up. It's, they're the ones who want it introduced and it shouldn't be really up to the software providers. It's, it's a failure of the ATA. You know, it's for their benefit. Yeah. Why aren't they paying for it? The, we ask the big questions here <laughs> on Thursday Finance. Thank you, Ian Mirandi from Nationwide Thanks, Super. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. And we will be back next uh, Thursday after the midday news on to a new RFM with another edition of Thursday Finance on to a new RFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from to a new RFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.